The podcast of this local government meeting is brought to you by Michigan Radio. For more coverage of local government meetings and to find out how you can support this service, go to michiganradio.org. Five thirty one, and this is the July meeting of the Public Market Advisory Commission. So let's have it called to order. All right, um, Commissioner Wolf here, Commissioner Young here, Commissioner Nemeth here. All right, and then what is absent? Great. So unfortunately, that means we don't have quorum, but we don't necessarily have any votes beyond just sort of agenda stuff. So I think we should be all right um, with that. Okay. All right. Um, so we'll just follow procedure and go ahead. And uh, could I get a motion to approve the agenda? Motion to approve the agenda. Second. Thank you, everyone uh, who is in favor, say aye or raise your hand. Aye. Aye. Okay, motion approved then, so the agenda is approved. The next item is the first public commentary. All right, so there were a few vendors that sent letters and I also do see a hand. So let me allow that person to speak, it is with us so go right ahead once you are able to you have the floor the first person that raised their hand i don't know who it is i just see a phone number hello yes. hello is that you ann yeah can you hear me yes i can hear you okay wonderful <clears throat> okay and let me find my darn letter Yes. Sorry, bear with me for one second. And I have it. Okay, so I am going to speak about uh, craft being allowed to have annual stalls. 
So the current rules concerning this issue were hammered out in the late 80s, I believe, over 30 years ago. I didn't start at market until 1997, but at that time, the manager literally accepted every single vendor who applied to the market. I can understand why there was a fear of crafts overrunning the market. But now, under Parks and Rec, we have had a series of managers who take the stewardship of the market much more seriously. They choose new vendors very carefully. We've accepted only a small handful of new craft vendors in the last decade or two, and I think maybe we can look around and realize we might not need to have the same worries anymore. After living with the rules for over 30 years, I think it has become clear we're having some consequences that cause some unintended harm. They're resulting in a small handful of longtime vendors being treated unfairly compared to all other vendors, even though we follow the same rules and pay the same fees. Since all craft vendors are currently already allowed to take two stalls each day, the only way to limit the quantity of crafts at the market is to limit them at acceptance to the market. It's not fair to use too many crafts as an excuse to deny long-term time vendors who already take and pay for two stalls at the market every day the right to earn their second annual stall because it, it won't increase the number of crafts. It will stay exactly the same. I am happy for any way Stephanie or the board could make this happen or would be willing to do this. I can offer a few suggestions of ways I could think of doing it. The best one would be to take this opportunity, since we're making rule changes right now, to make crafts just regular vendors like every other vendor, every other category. Let crafts be limited at intake, at acceptance, just like every other vendor. Stop making us a separate class that has the same requirements and the same duties as everyone else, but not the same rights and privileges. It's toxic and it's morally and ethically problematic. We are people and we are part of what makes our market extra special and worth protecting. Another way to do it if we don't wanna change the permanent rules is to do some sort of rule exception to allow craft vendors who already take two stalls every day to own two stalls as an exception. We could say people who have paid for two for the last five years or 10 years would be the few who get the opportunity to own two and no one else could. And then I guess a third way would be to increase the percentage of craft vendors who are allowed at the market in the rules. The last two are half measures, which will continue unfair practices, bad feelings, and probably mean this will need to be revisited again in the future. If we're gonna change the rules, let's just do it right, right now. But obviously I will accept any way that this could be made to happen for us few who really would love to have it. Thank you so much. Thanks, Anne. Great. Thank you, Anne. Thank you, guys. Bye. Bye-bye. Is there anyone? Yeah, I was going to say, is there anyone else that would like to speak in a public comment? I see another hand. Mm -hmm. All right. You have been unmuted go ahead hello hello do you there. hear me yes um this is carla carlene gates and i was just calling in um because um i was looking at the final draft of the um rule change uh that's being proposed 
I just had a couple things. Um, the one is that it says that additional stalls can be um, assigned one at a time as the market master sees fit and as they're available. But there was a um, part in there, and I don't know if it's in a different part of the rules or if it was in here that said on Wednesdays, you could have four stalls assigned right from the beginning. And I don't see any harm to anybody in keeping that in there on Wednesday since the market is what, 40% uh, occupied maybe. Um, and so there's plenty of space, but that way you don't have to wait till the end to see if there's an empty one beside you. And fourth one usually doesn't do much good if it's not beside the other stalls where you're setting up for that day. And then again on the parking, and I've not seen much of a problem this year like I did last year, but I still think that when there's an empty parking spot where a different person is occupying the stall, that they need to have first uh, dibs at using that parking space because uh, last year especially there was, it seemed like it was pretty inconvenient for a few of the vendors where they would be assigned a stall, but when they get there, somebody else has their car parked there. That's all. Thanks, Carlene. All right, are there any other folks that would like to speak at public comment? All right, well, I have a letter um, from Debbie Marks to read. Cue that up. Um, so this is on behalf of Debbie Marks, owner of Sticks and Stones. Uh, my name is Debbie Marks. I've been a vendor at the Ann Arbor Farmers Market for 31 years. I attend the market year-round. Thank you, PMAC, for considering the high seniority artists finally being able to pick their second stall on a permanent basis. This will help the stall assignment process flow easier. One of the market's main bylaws is every vendor make or grow their own product. This is one of the things that makes the Ann Arbor Farmers Market such a success. We are not a buy slash sell market. Please keep this market true to its heritage and require vendors to produce their own products. This is what makes us a cut above other markets. Thank you, Debbie Marks. Last call for any other commentary. All right, I am not seeing any. Um, we can proceed. All right, great, thank you. So the next thing on the agenda is the approval of the minutes from the previous meeting. This will be from the May meeting. Um, so can I have a motion to approve? Motion to approve. And second? Second. Um, all in favor, say aye or raise your hand. Aye. All right. And uh, so the, the um, minutes are approved from the May meeting. All right, so we'll go on to the regular business, the agenda items. The first thing is facilities. Great, um, so this is just a short update um, to tell folks what's been going on. Um, not much has changed. Uh, things are still moving full steam ahead. Just minor fixes have come about that Park Ops has been addressing. Um, other than that, you know, there really has been no change. We're still waiting on when the power washing of the roof, as well as the power washing of the market itself will occur. I think in terms of the roof, they were waiting for all the bird's nests to be fledged um, so as to not um, disturb those, which of course is also a violation um, 
of federal law to disturb nesting birds. So that's kind of what I think the holdup has been on that. We hope that it will be happening shortly, um, as well as the power washing of the market itself. Um, the last thing was our brand new or new, new newly placed, I should say, um, solar meter, which tells the public how much solar is being generated at any given time, has been doing very well. It's right in front of the market office window where people get tokens. Um, we've seen a lot of people interacting with it getting excited about it. It's also part of the um, summer game from the Ann Arbor District Library. And a lot of people have been interacting with that um, as well. So that's been pretty fun. It was not functional at first, uh, but it is fixed now and has uh, correct readings um, going on. So other than that, there's not really too much, um, not a ton to report in this, this agenda item. I've been curious with that solar meter, how you, I, I, I feel a little sorry for you guys in the office because it's like, <laughs> just imagine, yeah, hats off for tolerating. <laughs> but that's how we know people are using it. So I guess, I guess it's a positive, but yeah, it's kind of funny. It's like, this is the sound that was chosen, but I guess it's fine. Could be worse. Could be like an air horn siren or something like that. So. But that's been pretty fun to see people captivated by it. And it's also brought up a lot of conversations about solar. And many people are surprised to know the market has had solar for as long as we've had it. Um, and then we're able to tell them as well, you know, phase two is upcoming uh, date to be determined when we're going to expand our panels. So. But other than that, I think that is it for my agenda for facility. Great. Thank you. The next thing is events. Well, yesterday we had an incredibly successful kickoff of our food truck rally season. Um, we had way higher attendance than we could have anticipated, but again, it's really hard to tell because of last year and the year before that, not even having one and last year being uh, pared down. Um, so, you know, we're pretty excited about that. I know that we had 10 trucks, every single one of them sold out. Um, and the taco truck had a 50 person line at one point. So, um, it was a serious thing, even with um, the 90 degree heat and, you know, what felt like 100% humidity. So um, that was fantastic. And people didn't really seem to be that disrupted by the switch to the third Wednesday. Um, and that way, too, it, like it sort of worked a little better with people being out of town for July 4th holidays, um, including staff. So, so that was really great. Um, and we're looking forward to, to three more. The next one is August 17th coming up for that. Out of um, curiosity then, yeah. with that, is there any possibility of even making it larger? I mean, if it is so so popular that if I'm expanding beyond 10 trucks? Yeah, I mean, we're sort of just constrained on who applied. Um, and the next, this was probably the smallest one in terms of who we have signed up and ready. Um, the next three have like 12 or 13, maybe 14. And we did have a few last minute additions. So, you know, anyone that wants to participate, we're letting come on. Um, but it's also, you know, hard to schedule folks if they might already have their schedule. Um, but yes, we are still actively taking anybody um, if they're interested, uh, especially plant-based um, trucks. Because I know Shimmy Shack will be there just next time, but we don't have any designated vegan per se specialty trucks, although all of our options are vegetarian. Um, and there are a few vegan options as well. Uh, we just, but we don't have one that's sort of just designated that, but hopefully that will change um, in September and October, not just August. 
great. Um, and then in terms of other events coming up, um, we had a meeting today. We're in the process of scheduling a so sort of a farm to table style event. We're not sure exactly if that's going to be a dinner, if that's going to be a strolling meal, celebration of the harvest sort of thing. And we're organizing that with the Office of Sustainability and Innovation um, with their A20 team. So that should be, I believe it's going to be October 13th. But other than that, um, you know, we have not, we have not, um, Excuse me, we have not ironed out any other details as of yet. But more to come on that. And of course, we will be reaching out to our vendors um, to source that meal. Oh, I'm excited that that's, that's coming back. And uh, Stephanie Willett will probably have lots of suggestions. She's, she organized the first one. Yep. Right. Um, and then other events? As of right now, not really. Um, that's all that is currently on our calendar, although that's that's a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and there should also still be some events that people had known in the past. I know the glass blowing for the pumpkins that is on the calendar for sometime in October. I do need to just double check the dates on that. Um, but, you know, getting a little bit into the swing of events that previously had happened to market um, will be coming back somewhat. But in terms of things we are organizing, it's really just the food truck rallies. And then that um, meal, that's actually the Office of Sustainability, or OSI, the Office of Sustainability and Innovation, they're taking the lead on that. We're just uh, a support role versus before um, when it was the reverse. And Jessica Black has definitely been very helpful um, in helping them envision what that will look like. It's great, quick follow-up follow question, Stephanie. I was yes. actually walked through the electrification expo last week at the, the market. And I was actually just wondering if you have a general sense of how often the city uses the, the farmer's market space for events like that, or is that the first one that they've had in a long time? Um, it's hard to say, considering we're not involved in um, any of that organizing. That's specifically Jessica's role. Um, but before that, I know the most previous event was probably a few weeks prior to that when the Police Oversight Commission um, did use the space for one of their meetings. So it could be outdoors um, for folks that are you know, still wary of going inside. Um, but you know, other than the Sunday Artisan Market, which is our most regular you know, outside market use of the space. Um, I would say it really depends on the season, um, but I could reach out to Jessica to see if she had any more um, specific details about that. I, it, you don't have to reach out now. I just think as we revisit the structure and the possibility of winterization, it'd be great to have an idea of how else the city uses that. Um, but right now sure. we've got enough on our plate. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's definitely been used for weddings. It's definitely been used for graduations. It was used for the award ceremony um, for the A20 uh, scholars. I always forget this official name of them. That's the, the group of community members that have been involved in the A20 um, cohorts over the last two years. Um, and, you know, it's of course different when it's a city use uh, versus a community use, both in terms of how that process works for reserving it and then also 
um, the things that come about. But I will say there is one um, connected piece to answer to your question is that Carytown Shops, I guess there was some miscommunication the last time um, where I believe it was the dinner for the scholars. And I guess the, the parking lot had been closed off for a large portion of the day previously. And apparently that's normal policy and I was not aware of this, um, but Carytown uh, felt like they didn't have as, as much advanced notice. It probably didn't help that it was previous to Father's Day weekend, a big shopping weekend too. Um, so we, had, we did have a meeting with them about you know, how we can deepen the partnership, how we can have better communication in terms of uh, use of the shared space. And I know that last night, for example, they were also open till eight o'clock um, as part of the, the food truck rally sort of auxiliary thing. So that's the other thing that I had to mention that was related to that. But again, these were not events that, they, that were the market at all. They were just people that uh, rented our space and we had no involvement in any of that. But that is a good point too, in terms of this, we're trying to, in the future, when we're advocating for winterization, the kind of, that, you know, it's easy to think just within our own little corner, um, but that they're, we only use it for a, a fraction of the time. And it's as a, we're making the case for the city for resources and for who are the people who would be involved and who might benefit and how it's currently being used in just having a just documentation of that those there are other uses that are going out and these would be also facilitated by these things in the greater um, greater seasons so I think that that might help strengthen our case and it benefits us and it would benefit the community so I think that's that's worthwhile great all right so the next item on the list is staff all right, so I am very excited to announce we have a new uh, assistant manager starting on Saturday. And just to clarify, this is in addition to Alex and I. There was a lot of confusion that that was Alex's position. He's going nowhere. He is staying. He's actually uh, assistant manager slash outreach coordinator. This person is just designated assistant manager. So for those of you that have been here for a while, um, you may re recall the third more sort of seasonal person. Um, in the past, I know Jermaine Smith was probably the most recent person to hold that role before the pandemic. Um, but now it's going to be more of a temporary part-time uh, role, but we're very excited. She, her name is Macy. Um, she starts on Saturday and we will be orienting her tomorrow. Um, and she's actually moving here from North Carolina to attend, um, to get a master's rather in environmental science as part of the sustainable food program. So we're very excited um, to have her join. She's got a background in agroecology and horticulture. Um, so we feel like we were very, very lucky to stumble upon her um, and great timing. And she's also going to be living um, on Catherine like three blocks from the market. So it couldn't be more perfect. She can definitely walk um, to the market. Uh, so we're very excited to be welcoming her. And because Jenny, um, who was our sort of that role had been working also at the pools and coaching the swim team. And she felt like she needed to uh, give more time to coaching the kids, which, you know, we fully endorse. We think that's great for her and fantastic. Um, but that's sort of why this opening uh, came about, so. That's great. Are you then fully staffed or are you, I know that you, you had a lot of vacancies for a while. Are you actually back yes. to normal now? That's we great. will be, yes, starting on Saturday, we will be back to fully staffed. The only catch for that is that Alex is two months off 
comes in September and October. Um, and that's partly due to the, the, the drawbacks and the timing of when Becky departed. Um, you know, we held out as long as we could. So, you know, obviously we would love to have him still be there in what is very much still the high season. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. But he's not going anywhere. He'll still be around um, if we need him. But yes, so full staffed-ish, we'll say. <laughs> within the constraints of um, the hiring of the city, yes. That's really good, because I know that during COVID, I, that was always a concern in terms of you were holding down the fort for a lot of it, and it was kind of just just on the edge. And so yes. I'm, I'm, I'm yes. really, I really appreciate your your <laughs> persevering through that, and that was a that was a that was a challenge. So now I'm glad you've got some more people behind you too. So that's really helpful. Thank you. Yes, it was very difficult. I mean, we were very blessed in the beginning to have all those extra park staff with us. Um, but of course, once their jobs reopened, um, it became a little difficult for us. So, so yes, it is very good news. We're really excited. Um, we had held out hope that we would have been able to hire a fluent Mandarin speaker. Um, however, they didn't. The one person we did interview who would fit that bill was actually not very knowledgeable about food. Um, and was not that familiar with the market, unfortunately. Although I would have loved to finally have, um, you know, a Mandarin speaker. And we were very delighted that we actually did have an applicant that um, checked that box for us. Uh, and I'm still holding out hope that when um, Will comes back in in the fall, that the Asian Languages Department may be able to find a fantastic student volunteer um, to help us. Because I did reach out to them right before the end of the school year in the spring. If you need help pushing those uh, messages out to them, just let me know. Okay. I'm happy to Great. help with that. I'll put That's on my fine. other hat. Great. Okay. So Great. Good. Good. All right. Next item is the 330 Detroit Street development. All right. Um, not really too much to report there other than um, the conversations and being included in the conversations and the city taking an active role in being part of what that looks like has been in full swing. We've had two meetings um, in our little group, which includes, <coughs> excuse me, the developer includes Phyllis um, and other staff from the filling station. It includes us, it includes other parks folks. Um, and has been facilitated by Mr. Dehoney. So that's been really fantastic to have, you know, literally the highest level of city folks helping facilitate and, and taking an active role in it. Um, and, you know, as far as we know, a lot of the concessions that we pushed for have been achieved, specifically staging on fifth um, instead of Detroit Street. And, you know, nothing has changed. We're still kind of waiting um, to figure out when they get the, the final go ahead for when it will start. Um, but, you know, as of right now, I think it's sort of best possible case scenario um, based on the feedback that, you know, you all gave. Um, and yeah, so that, you know, that's all that I have to report on that. Were they having any estimates of when they'd know when construction would start or at least demolition would start? They're not sure. They're still waiting for their permits to go through. But you know they're still saying fall sometime, but I don't know what that actually means because I don't think they know. Great. All right, now we're on to rule changes discussion continued. 
All right. So um, there are two pieces on that. Of course, one was the continuation of what we had been talking about um, with just the sign-in process. And I think I had it in reverse order. I think I might have had artisan first, then that piece, then the producer only. So maybe we should do that. Just I feel like we've, you know, devoted so much time to conversating about the sign-in process. Um, maybe we should go, especially because we've had um, a lot of feedback on <clears throat> on this call as well about this. So I think that's a great idea. So thoughts about the artisans gaining their two permanent stalls. Um, and as Anne mentioned, um, as Debbie has mentioned in the past as well, you know, these are folks that do pay for two stalls and that use two stalls for the season. The only issue, however, though, is that when we do the stall assignment, they're not able to hold on to those stalls. They're not able to so-called own them. Um, so what they're really asking is to update the rules to say, you know, any artisan that is senior enough, that is an annual status vendor, um, have the ability to get their second stall that they are already using and are already paying for. So just to give a little bit of clarification. So what are thoughts about this? Obviously, you know, this is just a preliminary conversation because uh, we don't have quorum today. So with that, uh put the artisans sort of uh, going through the same process that the um, producers um, have in terms of seniority and uh, stall move up and all that sort of thing. The artisans already do that. They're just not allowed to have more than one stall. So that's literally the only difference between them and a producer in terms of how the rules are written. So they're allowed to have maximum one um, whereas producers are allowed to have maximum three, unless it is one of our most senior vendors who were grandfathered in at four stalls. Um, and there's only three vendors that have four, which is Wassum, Sparse Florist, and Gracias Greenhouse. I guess the question too is if I, one of the suggestions was to make producers or artisans in the same class as producers, then would that shift them to three stalls? If that were, I mean, if were essentially you made no distinction, they were just producers of stuff. Um, is that is that essentially what that would entail? And I, not necessarily in practice in terms of with these folks, if they're normally in two, that I don't know how people get from, I don't know even how the one to two to three happens for uh, a food Yeah, so how it happens is that people pretty much have to, once you gain seniority, you basically have to acquire the amount of stalls that are available. So for example, um, Sealy Farm and Green Things Farm, they both were able to get their third stall this year or this past year, so in the fall um, of last year. So in essence, and they've been uh, senior or annual vendors, I wanna say at least five or six years. Um, so in their particular case, they were you know, assigned permanently two stalls, but every market they would be paying for an extra third stall. And that, so, so that's the other thing about this is you could say in essence, um, there are two pieces of the rule that might need to be tweaked here. One is that artisans are only allowed to have two per market day. So there really isn't an expectation or hasn't been a use of artisans beyond two stalls. Um, I don't know if they would want one because that's the other thing. There's additional cost incurred um, from having to pay for it too. 
Um, so that might be something to, to clarify with them. But as far as I know, they are only interested in two stalls and being able to have that be their permanent thing. So maybe it could still be that artisans have two, again, you know, this is still me just speculating uh, at this point. Um, but the only thing that would be different would be that they could have two, uh, two stalls assigned to them. And the other thing too, I should say, is that based on which folks have retired or which stalls are open, um, there really is a potential, it seems to me, that artisans that are of annual status that want a second stall permanently could have one this year. You know, this is a situation that we could rectify that in this move up and also still give the next two producers on the list their seniority. So it could be a way to sort of not just update the rules, but also rectify the confusion and the situation. You know, there might be some added issues just based on where people's stalls are, for example. Um, there's one particular case I'm thinking of that on either side of them, there's annual vendors with permanent stalls. So although they might want a second stall, you know, there's an artisan next to them on one side and there's a producer on the other side. So unless those people moved or they moved, in essence, they wouldn't be able to get it. Whereas in the case of Debbie, for example, the stall next to her is open. And Carol Scott, to her left, there's also an open stall next to them. So they could easily just automatically have those stalls. They're not really in a place anyone other than artisans really likes to be anyway. Um, so, so that's sort of what I, the context that I would give here. It would be relatively easy um, to make sure. And I know, for instance, as of right now, it would impact Anne. Um, it would impact Debbie. It would impact Carol Scott as well as Darren um, Otis. And then depending on who's going to be retired by October, whenever, or September, August, whenever we do the, the walk around and the reassignment, um, there might be you know another uh, artisan in play. But it's really just those folks. Because um, as far as I know, the other artisans, except for the one, the exception that I mentioned, um, don't really have an interest in having more than one stall. So I don't know if that's helpful or more confusing, but <laughs> I no, think it just, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, that is helpful. Um, the, the other thing I'm wondering is um, there's the, the seniority list. Is there like a producer seniority list and an artisan seniority list? Or are they merged? Um, only in terms of the daily vendors. Okay. Once you are an annual vendor, you're in one list of everyone. Um, but what has been happening is that uh, producers are basically leapfrogging artisans to go from daily to annual status, which is something else um, that I know has been very upsetting um, for a lot of people, which is also why um, Stephanie had to make that exception um, yeah. for 13 artisans to gain their seniority at one time. Um, so that's another element here. Um, and because it's gotten to the point that I believe the first four, if not five people on the daily list at this point are all artisans. And that's partly because, you know, people that have been at the market way less time than them uh, have gained their seniority to give, you know, so 
for just one particularly egregious example, number one on the daily list is an artisan who's been at the market over 25 years. Whereas, uh, you know, people that have been at the market maybe five years got their seniority this past fall. So that's sort of what they're talking about when they're referring to this sort of unfairness. Um, because, you know, it doesn't send a very good message. It definitely sends a message that they are not equal. Um, even though every other moment of the day, you know, pay the same fees, have the same sign-in process, um, or have to be in same good standing, have to make the same deadlines for payment, have to make the same deadlines for applications. Um, and, you know, I think, I also do think that Anne is right. You know, we get... Uh, in terms of applicants, we get more artisans than anything, by far. Um, and it's to the point where, you know, the artisan has to be very high quality or very unique um, for me to even consider them, right? One example would be Zilch Apothecary, who just began. Um, she does all plant-based um, soaps and uh, shampoo bars, and it's all made with botanical ingredients. It's zero waste as well. So this is someone that's like clearly in line, you know, with what we do, what we want, um, and has been very successful. But, you know, like we get so many, so many artisans that I pretty much just refer them um, for the most part to the artisan market at this point, which might be directly correlated with uh, the, the artisan market rapidly expanding. but. But hey, that's good. We appreciate that. Um, so I think that's, you know, sort of the valve that Anne was referring to. It's like, that's really where the control should come um, in terms of artisans just joining the market at all. I don't think it really makes sense continuing um, to have this sort of second class citizenship thing. However, from what I've heard, I know that there are some producers that don't agree with this. I know there's some producers out there that think the market should be just produce. Um, I, you know, what I would say to that is if the market was just produce, the market would look half empty. You know, that's just the reality. We have maybe 50 um, farms out of, or on a, any given day, out of the say 85 um, total vendors we have. And, you know, on top of that too, that's not just the rest aren't artisans, but they're things like bread, or jam or hot sauce or things that are all clearly supporting local agriculture and clearly pushing the needle forward with local food. Um, so, but again, I'm sure some of you remember these conversations the last time this came up before I was here. Um, so, you know, I'm sort of aware of yeah, the, the complexities uh, and, and sort of the difficulties of navigating this issue. So Peter, I didn't look up from when we had these discussions last time, but I sort of remember that we ended up designating so many stalls that could be used to sign on a regular, so they'd be annual stalls that could be assigned to annual vendors. So stalls, sorry, I'm not talking well, stalls that could be assigned to annual vendors and it was a specific number of them. It was 13. Yeah, so 13 stalls. Yes. And, and I remember that that was increasing it slightly from what it had been before. Um, so I, I guess one of my questions is, if we are thinking of this in the number of stalls and designating so many for artisans, you know, how does, I, I know it on a daily 
sort of market day, it doesn't make that much difference in the the makeup of the market at all. But is it in terms of as we're thinking about those stalls that go to annual vendors, is it changing any of the priorities of the market um, to increase the number of artisan stalls? And oh my gosh, we spent so much time talking about this a couple of years ago. Yes. Yeah. Um, and yeah, go ahead. No, it was it was a it was a complicated one in trying to figure out a way to thread that needle um, and trying to accommodate folks and that it's they you know they have real valid concerns in terms of trying to there are people there who've been there a long long time and that they contribute a lot to the market and they add a lot to that and that they should be recognized and they should have a role in that and that it was kind of a way to get them into annuals and make sure that that was in there and fair um but then you know the the other side of it was there were people who were concerned you know that the that, you know it's kind of this it's catastrophizing somewhat in terms of going through and saying well it's all becoming it's all artisans there'll be no space for food and that that's that doesn't seem true um but at the same time making sure that we do this properly so that we don't and the thing is, it's like once you have a vendor in an annual install, you can unannualize them. And it's kind of, it's an irreversible process. And so that if we ended up somehow creating a, something that ended up getting a lot more and shifted just due to, I don't know, demographics or something, just make sure that we can still kind of keep keep the space in terms of right now, like you're saying, it's great. You know, if we have only 50, 50 farmers, we should fill in, absolutely. But if it was that if we had... I don't know, somehow, I've, if it were, let's say we had 13 plots and we allowed them all to have two and now we have 26 that are locked in and most of them were only using one and now we're using two and then, oh my God, half the market that <laughs> is that that we want to make sure that we're, we're not kind of introducing other unintended consequences to really take us to a place that we didn't intend to be. Um, and so how to do that in a way that's fair and a way that's transparent. I have always thought too that this distinction between artists and or the artisans and the producers is is a little vague in terms of there are it's like the the soap people it's consumable or some people sell stuff along with food and that so it's like oh, which one are you kind of both and everything and certain seasons one and other seasons others and we can make rules and try to pin that out and we have um, but that's it's 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 complicated um and that you know it's you're right in terms of i think having the it, the control at the very beginning where you can kind of curate but again the concern is after after if once you've accepted then that's 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 the beginning of maybe a a, a half century process <laughs> that goes on so just make sure that we're we're setting up that mix in a way that will serve the next generation and the next generation um, to still have a, a vibrant market in that way, both in terms of including artisans, having them be respected and valued members of this community, but also making sure that we don't unintentionally flip it over into become just the artisan market, which is not, not the intention. So, so I, I think Peter's making a good point is, is um, Stephanie, if you can help us next meeting, understand, you know, if we think about um, granting uh, the artisans with seniority now, um, another stall in the annual move up, 
what would it potentially look like 10 years from now? You know, if everybody had a crystal ball, would there be any, un, any unintended consequences? Because in the discussions last time, we definitely wanted to honor the commitment of those artisans who have been at the market for a long time. And I definitely understand how nice it is to know where your stalls are when you're setting up. Um, but also this, the, as Peter said, when, when you uh, get assigned an annual stall, it feels like you're um, getting married for life. So um, how, what would the potential implications for that, that be? Um, and I know the other thing that we talked, we went back and forth last time about um, assigning a number of stall, picking a number of stalls that could be assigned to artisans because that's how the rules have been. But we did also talk about the possibility of using a percentage um, of stalls that went to annual vendors. And I don't know if, if that would make sense this time around. We toyed with that idea, but didn't use it last time. So would it be that annual stalls for artisans can only be X percentage of the stalls at the or between these two different percentages? Um, I'll say two things. So I think all of the fears that it's going to turn over to artisan market, I think is, you know, wildly unfounded. And it's people that don't really you know, understand how many artisans there actually are. Are there people that just like look around the market? Maybe they have a vantage point and they see three artisans and like, oh, you know, I just counted. Um, and currently right now we have 17 total artisans um, out of 120 vendors. Um, and out of those, I believe nine or 10, I think it's 10, um, actually are, have the seniors or are annual vendors. Um, and of those 10, there's only really four that have expressed any interest in, um, being assigned the second stall that they always use. So if that gives any um, indication. And in terms of the daily artisans, off the top of my head right now, there's only one, um, or excuse me, there's only two that use two stalls. So I think this would be, you know, if we were to just correct the error right now, that would be, you know, it would be specifically adding four stalls for artisans. Um, and then depending on when the other daily folks might be able to move up, that would, you know, be like six total stalls. But just think about it more in the aggregate is we have 142 stalls um, at the market. And that also assumes that every artisan comes every day, which they don't. Um, so I think, you know, it's, it's a really hard thing because then where do you draw the line. It, one day it's artisans, next day it's people that sell bread, the next day it's somebody that, you know, has some stuff that's food, some stuff that's not food. Um, and I just think it gets into the situation where we're just overcomplicating it for ourselves. Um, and we're almost, in my view at least, we're sort of standing in the way of ourselves as well, you know, because it's like we have these folks that are already at market, like why make it harder for them needlessly? what's the benefit here? Like, what is the end goal? Because um, as it stands right now, I don't really see any end goal. And I don't think we can legislate based off of here um, of a thing that hasn't happened and is very, very unlikely uh, to happen in the near future, which is that all of a sudden we're not going to be a food market anymore. 
and you know, from a public perspective, people don't even know that the artisan market is separate from us. They think it's the same. So, <laughs> or they think it's run by a, you know, so like, that's the other thing is like, who are we doing this for? Is it for us? Is it for the public? Is it for the vendor? Like, you know, who is it for and what's the end goal? Um, whereas I don't know, I'm of the mind of if there's a harm that we can solve, why don't we solve it? Um, and not just kick it down the can or kick the can down the road for another five years or whoever, you know, until whatever um, we want to address this again um, would be sort of the way that I look at it. But again, of course, the recommendations are up to you all. Can you just go over those numbers again? Um, so there's 120 total vendors at the market, right? Yes. Yep. Of those, how many are annual vendors? Hold on one second. Was it 120 stalls or 120 vendors? It's 142 stalls. 42. One, two, three, four, five. Give me just one second. Sorry. No, it's okay. I'm just doing math quickly. Okay, one more second. I believe the number is 70 annual vendors currently, and that might be plus or minus depending on, um, you know, potential retirements or whatnot. And then you said there's 17 total artisans and 10 of those are annual vendors. Correct. Is that correct? Okay. Yes. All right. So, you know, just under, just a, a little, we'll move them off. Just under 15% of our annual vendors are artisans. Mm -hmm. Okay. Great. Jeff, do you have anything you want to add into this as a, as a producer? Um, so Nah, I'm, I don't know. I'm kind of absorbing all this and uh, listening to all of it. <laughs> and I need some time to think on it. Um, I guess one question I do have is, um, is it still a rule? I know there for a while it was a rule that you had to um, attend so many Wednesday markets to maintain your seniority. Is that still a rule? I mean, that's never a rule that I saw. Um, as far as I know, it's just, you have to do 15 total in the fiscal year. Um, but okay. I don't know if that changed or when that changed, if it okay. was the opposite. Um, the and the only reason I'm mentioning that is there's a lot of moving parts. Um, I'm, I don't disagree with anything anyone's saying here at all. Um, I'm just trying to think of everything that I can, um, you know, and I think our goal, end goal is to have a successful market. It should sure. be the end goal. Um, and I think that uh, I think that that's one thing that, in order to have a successful market, that's that's why I was asking about the about the. I know it has nothing to do with really what we're talking about, but it kind of does. Um, I wasn't sure about the Wednesday deal because it just seems like the Wednesday market's kind of nobody wants to come to it to to sell, and I think that that hurts the market. Um, so I guess since we were talking about seniority, that's what 
sparked me, reminded me of that, got me thinking about that. Um, I think that there, there does have to be some kind of uh, stipulation on some of this stuff, but at the same time, they are part of the market. They're part of, they're, they're there all the time and they, uh, they're part of the market. So I guess, I guess I, I need some time to think on it. Um, and I know we've talked about this before, but uh, you know, all the information I can get definitely helps me to, to, to try to think of anything that we might be missing or, you know, something important. Um, but yeah, I'm not disagreeing with anything anyone's saying as far as them being part of the market and having their stalls available. And I totally understand <clears throat> that now's the time to do it. I mean, last time we didn't even have, I believe there was extra stalls. That's how we ended up with 13. Is that correct? You're right. So if, if that's what's going on and, and we have the same thing where we got extra stalls, then why not, you know, why not make them, you know, part of it? Um, so I, I guess that's where I'm at currently. I'm just kind of, I'll talk to some other people and see what they think, you know, what everyone's thinking. But um, that's my own personal take on everything, if that helps any. Great. No, that's great, Jeff. Thank you. Um, so, Stephanie, I guess what would be helpful for us is um, I think Stephanie Willett wrote an exception last time. But if we were to think about we, you know, I hate to say revisit the rules again, but do the rules actually state that there can only be 12 annual stalls for artisans? If you could just look up that, that section of whatever limits the number of stalls for artisans and send it to us for the next meeting, and then we could sort of go back and forth on the consequences of those. Does that sound okay to everybody? Yeah. Sure. The other thing I did just want to say as sort of a summary is that no one is going to have any stalls taken away that's a producer, yeah. right? Yeah. We'll always find enough space for everybody. You know, that's the other thing is like the last couple markets, we've had the Sandlot open a little bit, but we haven't even been totally full in the Sandlot. And I think that's also just because of when people are out of town versus other ones in. Plus, um, some of the retirements we had last year had a lot of stalls. Um, so, you know, there's that also to, to figure out, cause I know that's the one thing people are worried about is that they're worried that, you know, they somehow won't have enough stalls for themselves and, you know, that's not going to happen. These would be, of course, like, as Jeff said, these would be open stalls that folks don't ordinarily use. They're the ones that those artisans are already using. It would just be them not having that concern of being displaced. Yeah, no, I think you've been doing a great job fitting everybody in. It's just the making sure we've thought through all the consequences of the sort of permanent real estate. Sure. Um, so, I uh, yep. And I did find the rule. Um, it is Roman numeral. It's within five, five dot stalls within Roman numeral two. Um, it says the total number of stalls available for use by artisans with annual vendor status shall be 12 and the total number of stalls available for producers by, or available for use by producers with annual vendor status shall be 132. Um, keep in mind that we lost two of the stalls to sort of the redesign and are actually uh, either walkways, like Jeff, he lost 127 to the walkway, um, but had to shift over one. And then um, Dennis's spars 
um, stall on the other side is not, it's sort of like a ghost stall. He puts his flowers there, um, but it's not exactly in the market per se. So the, that number is actually incorrect. So we would have to update this probably anyway, because um, it would be, even with this, it would be 12 and 130, uh, not 12 and 132. But yes, it's in there. That was the language I just read. Great. I wonder one more question too, is that, you know, this concern with overrun um, in terms of if you, I've, we've heard the same thing too with concerns for, it's like if, why isn't the market full of people who only sell tomatoes? Um, and that what is the mechanism which kind of prevents everyone from all selling these, if there are producers, but they don't all, why do they not all sell the same thing other than just like market because it saturates. But is that just a purely market-based or is that based off of uh, the management kind of curating um, and getting a sense that might be the useful analogy to, to, to put people at ease in terms of it's like, this hasn't happened and it's not in such an explicit way that we have only 8% of the people sell tomatoes and only 4% of the people, you know, <laughs> and we could try to do that, but I don't know if that's really the best way to do it. Um, you know, that's largely my role in terms of curating who comes to the market. But, you know, to put, uh, we don't really necessarily get that many farms that apply. We'll just say that um, in comparison to the volume. So if you even just thought about it that way, we get a mountain of artisans. And the fact that we let very few in, um, I think should sort of be indicative of that curation process. But for me, the way I look at it, say there's a farm they're brand new, they want to get started, they have very little experience, I'm not going to let them in because they're not going to have the volume needed um, to be at our market. And we definitely don't want people that are farms that can only stay for two or three hours, right? Because that's like an empty stall halfway through the market that many people that don't come early don't know um, that that was full. So yes, I would say the short answer is that's part of the curation um, because to have have enough produce for an eight hour market, you've got to be pretty dialed in, you know, you've got to be a pretty high scale. Um, and for example, even regular urban farms probably wouldn't have enough volume of product, um, which also then ties into conversations about equity and diversity of vendors as well. Um, but, but yes, I wouldn't necessarily say we're really turning away farms unless they're farms that don't have enough product or just aren't, um, you know, ready yet. Otherwise, I know there's some other folks that have told me like, why, why are you letting in all those people that aren't farms? Like, well, if we had more quality farms applying, they would be getting in. But we just don't have that many farms um, applying at any given time. Or, but again, that's a, a reflection of so many things, right? So many markets, incredibly high cost of land, um, many, many different um, aspects. But, but yes, in terms of how I do it, if there's somebody wanting to apply and we have six people already with the same thing, chances are they're probably not getting in either. Okay, great. So um, just one last question, since it sounds like there is um, some time boundaries on this. Um, uh, what, just remind me when the move up usually happens. Last year we did it in September. Okay. Um, but I'm not sure. I had heard varied things of when it had happened in years past. I had heard August. I had heard September. 
I'm still slightly confused why it doesn't happen closer to when um, the payment deadline is, where people reestablish the seniority. And there's like this weird limbo of a couple months where you might have gotten your seniority, but you haven't been promoted yet. But anyways, in for our case here, we'll say September okay. um, to give us some time to sort this out. Okay, great. Thank you. Um, yeah, if you wouldn't mind before the next meeting, just sending us that that section that talks about the number of stalls that um, are assigned to uh, artisans, and uh, then we can we can have those figures in front of us and and talk through that again. All righty. Any other thoughts on the artisans before we move on to the the sign in uh, rule changes? There's one thing I remember that we did discuss before, which could work with this case too, is if we ended up, it's like it relax one rule, but then temporarily allow the number, like if it was there are 12 stalls available for artisans, but that there are so many annuals to say that, okay, here we, we're going to relax it so that annuals can have, or that, yeah, that uh, the annual vendors can have one or two, and they can choose to do that. But if they do, then that will expand beyond that. But no new annual artisans will be allowed in until we actually come back down to that cap, which will unfortunately then push down more of the daily artists to essentially extend their weight in order to become annuals. Um, and it would achieve the lock-in of this, but when have a kind of a temporary overshoot, but then it would come back down with time. But that might be a way to accommodate both of these with a minimum rule change and still establish where we are um, and kind of keep some some bounds within that. So that might be something else to consider. Yeah, so it, whether we think about a temporary change like we did the last time or whether we actually revisit the rules and, and try to build some flexibility in there too. The other thing is, you know, we say exact number of stalls, but it could be a range. Um, as well. Yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily think we need to name number of stalls. I don't think that's helpful um, because again, that's splitting hairs again and again and putting an exception on top of an exception. Um, we could have something as simple as what it already says is that artisans can have no more than two stalls and we can keep it at that. But I don't know, again, I don't know if that's they would want or helpful or I'm sure folks can give me feedback about this because um, to me that might seem like the easiest way to do it and we just completely strike that sentence. And the challenge with that though too is that it still does make artisan second-class citizens in terms of producers can have three and so sure. that there's it's like you're still making a distinction saying you could have less you can have more than you could but you still have less. And that but it wouldn't be that you couldn't have them permanently, which I yeah. think is the issue because folks are paying for it. They're using it, mm -hmm. but can't have it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I don't know. Well, I'll revisit and yeah. ask them about the three stalls. Um, I'm sure we'll discuss it at, this at length on Saturday. A lot of moving parts. So. Yes, for sure. Yeah, and I, I also think that the important part is... Um, how many of the annual vendors are artisans versus producers? That seems to be one of the critical issues for me. And then, then we can think about how many stalls an annual artisan vendor can, can um, 
half. So. Well, yeah. if you do the math right now, you can just do 120 minus 17, and that's your answer of how many um, producers there are versus right, person. right, right. But that's why I was asking about the annual vendors because I think that's the real There's critical 70, issue. Seventy yeah. annual vendors, ten of whom are yeah, artists. yeah, yeah. So it seems like to me in the rules that may be where we need to put some boundaries around things because then that affects the, the move up to um, and, and may also uh, help with the, the issue that we dealt with last time that it seems like you're at again where you have an artisan who's still a daily vendor who's been at the market so much longer than the producer vendors that are moving up. Um, and that is exactly the issue that we dealt with last time. So we we found a temporary solution, but not a permanent solution. <laughs> it would be nice to to build in some flexibility. So we that who's ever on the commission five years from now isn't having the same conversation. Well, I just worry that if we don't permanently fix this, that will one hundred percent happen because it's yeah. not just yeah. number one who has been here for twenty five it years. Will. It's actually the top four. Yeah. Um, so one of whom may actually be retiring before she actually gets her seniority, um, after 25 years. So, you know, it is yeah. what it is, but, but this was, I think a good first conversation. Um, yeah. and then we, we of course can revisit, um, in the next meeting after gathering more feedback from vendors. Great. Let's move on to the um, finalizing the sign-in changes. Um, so we can try to get that done in the next 20 plus minutes. All right. Um, so in terms of feedback uh, to the draft that I sent out, I have heard no feedback other than Carlene's comment um, this evening. Um, the Wednesday having four stalls thing, I'm not sure I recall us ever talking about that in detail or ever having that be like really part of the rules. And I'm not sure why that necessarily needs to be the case um, because given the new sign-in process, people want to ask for an extra stall that may be available that day. It's all right, but I don't know, maybe there needs to be language revisited. I'm not sure. Um, but the way I look at it now is like people can easily already get a fourth stall um just doing it day of i know carlene and the donahues both did that um yesterday so i'm not sure if that really necessitates um a rule change maybe it does um but sort of there already is a mechanism to address that i think and then the other thing is you know parking I just really get concerned if we write anything in saying that so-and-so is guaranteed to the spot um, behind them, that this could just potentially lead to a complete disaster where we just don't have enough stalls at all, let alone parking spots, let alone parking spots behind people's stalls um, and could get really messy and hairy. And with that said, you know, like I've been trying to figure out a little bit more how to navigate that. And I think maybe that should be something that is the market manager discretion. Maybe that's a handbook change and not a rule change. Um, 
because otherwise I feel like it might seem like some folks were fixing something, but then I, in the long term, it's going to cause a lot more problems, especially as, you know, all these developments are looming, um, which may further restrict our parking access. I think particularly with that parking issue too, that I think you're right in terms of, I know that when we were talking about the long ago for the full winter garden or winter market enclosure um, that, that ate up a bunch of parking spots and that there was a lot of concern about that, a lot of discussion about that. But that also shows that future evolutions of the market will change. Parking will change. Lines will be redrawn and the various structures may be rearranged. And that, that what you might be able to guarantee in a, or you can't even guarantee now, you won't be able to guarantee in the future. And so that that's, um, that seems unwise to codify, to crystallize that too much right now. Uh, if that's, and again, it, it's not even that you can guarantee it now in terms of that everyone can have a space right behind their stall unless you can't. Well, yeah, okay, yeah. well, that doesn't really help me to specify that. Yeah. Exactly. And it, it, it down sound like putting it in the rules could make it a, a nightmare for uh, the manager, which we definitely don't want to do. But Stephanie, I like your idea of thinking about putting both of those things in the potential handbook where it says that, you know, on Wednesdays, if additional are available, people can request them. It's at the market manager's discretion. And then also stating that the market manager will uh, try to do their best to, um, or will take into account the location of the stall when assigning parking. Just something simple like that. It's still at your discretion, but to let the vendors know um, that you're watching out for them clearly, but then they can also uh, have the opportunity to make that request too. For sure. And I would also say to the four stall thing, I really feel like that restriction is again, just for permanently assigned stalls. It's not for day of stalls because there's always been the capacity to add um, day of. I know if people say, hey, I need an extra stall if it's available. Um, that's definitely something that's already been accommodated easily. So I don't think we necessarily need to write that into rules. Um, but I think handbook might be more helpful. Yeah, I agree. Because then it I can also be edited easier <laughs> in the future. Yeah, I think kind of with the handbook describing your intention, but without it being, it's almost like the rules are more almost like legally binding. And so that that's, that's a lot more challenging. But it's good to have vendors have the option when space is available for a fourth in terms of if they have tons of product that particular season that, I have 8 million pumpkins. I need to figure out somewhere to put them. Um, so that, sure. that makes a lot of sense. Well, and it's just nice on, on Wednesdays to have the market look full too, at least the Detroit Street uh, aisle. So, yeah. Yeah. Sure. And, you know, the thing about Wednesday, you know, we've really been putting in a lot of effort to bring more community groups and have food trucks or have other events um, because, yeah, you know, like what Jeff was even saying in the beginning, it's a tough sell to be middle of the day Wednesday. It was not the same situation 10 years ago when there wasn't Argus, where there wasn't all these other markets, when there weren't multiple markets other days of the week um, all throughout the county, as well as all throughout Southeast Michigan. 
Um, so I think it's it's more that. Plus, I know in the in the past, a lot of those shoppers for Wednesdays were chefs, and we know restaurants have taken the huge hit because um, of the pandemic. So that's also uh, another element involved um, with the change of that. But yeah, we every week in my email, I was like, we would love everyone to join us on Wednesday. Help us spread the word about Wednesday. You know, we've been trying to do a lot. Um, to do that. And I don't necessarily know if, you know, like requiring people to show up on Wednesday is really that helpful. Um, Cause you know, I don't know, would that cut into then their ability to be at Saturdays? Like, it, I don't know. It's obviously every business is different. Um, people that have the volume are there, but people that don't or people that work other jobs, you know, there's a lot of factors um, to think about, but, but we're working on it. We're trying to, boost up the Wednesday as much as possible, given the constraints that we find ourselves in. The last Wednesday market I was at a few weeks ago, there was one of the uh, summer camps was there and I just loved hearing the kids say, and I got some carrots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Gallup Park campers uh, were there again yesterday. So we were excited. And yeah, that's the other thing about Wednesdays. Lots of camps, lots of field trips towards the end of the uh, year um but Wednesday market yesterday was incredibly full uh at least before maybe two o'clock when it was the cloud burst happened um but yeah yesterday I had multiple people say like wow I'm actually so surprised that Wednesday market was this full so maybe that's all it takes maybe summer fruit is the missing <laughs> missing link uh to be bringing people out to Wednesday all right, so just so we can go through the changes that you made uh, on the um, on the rules, it looked like under um, Roman numeral 3.1, the only thing you did was you took out the need for the um, notarized affidavit. Um, yes. Okay. And then I didn't see anything else in, in there. No, that was the only part for that. Okay. And again, that just seems needless. I've had a ton of feedback from people like, I've never seen a market have this. Why do you have this? And it's like, especially for returning vendors, it makes yeah. zero sense. Um, and it's just an unnecessary hardship loop to jump through. Um, so I guess that was my one question. It's, it's for everybody now, right? Um, yep. Okay. So is there any issues for like first time folks and not, not returning folks? It just seems needless. I mean, okay. I think it's just a weird form of gatekeeping. I think maybe at one point, if people were worried about the quality, but we're already inspecting people, yeah. you know, okay. you're already going to have to be um, inspected that way. And of course, I should also mention Alex is also doing um, at least local Washtenaw County inspections now um, as well. So okay. yeah, I just don't think it's needed. Okay. And I think that's another lesson the pandemic taught us was people couldn't get to the bank yeah. to do it. So why are we, why do yeah. we make people do these extra things when it yeah. has no benefit to us? Yeah. You know, it really has no reason to, to maybe it had a reason in the past. Not sure quite what that was, um, but I think it's time to, to move on from that. Okay, so on the market day procedures, the, uh, you did stall assignments, and we had looked at this a variety of different times. It looks um, quite yep. clear now. 
Um, the only uh, clarification that I wanted, uh, Stephanie, is um, it talks about all the different ways that people can let you know. And it says mm -hmm. by letting us know in person. Yes. I just want it, should it say market staff? Should it say the market manager? To just I thought it already said market staff in that sentence. So I was actually just trying to make it less redundant and trying to make it more succinct because when I read through it before, I could not understand what it was saying. I was just completely confused based on what was there. Um, so that could have be, been my just aggressive editing where I felt like it already said market staff and I didn't want to restate that, but I can put that back in. Yeah, just just some definition of who us is. Um, and is it only the manager? Is it anybody on the staff? That, well, we're all it. managers, so okay. in essence, yes. Okay. That's all our official title in terms of assistant um, it's the same thing, you know, like say Alex is in the office, answers the phone. I'm not going to make the person call back, you know, to talk to me. Um, they're my staff. So I would assume like we're in conversation. So. Yeah. So maybe just even market staff. I think yep. that is worthwhile though, too, because I, you have a certain management style and others may have a different one. And if it comes out to say, you didn't go through me, you know, you must all go through me. And it's like, but the rules say, and, but if it, so that's where having clarity is helpful. I, because if sure. we all have, obviously everyone works like me and like, well, when someone doesn't, then you get predictions. <laughs> well, I'm also very lucky that Alex is, you know, very much self-motivated and good at his job as well. So. Yeah, so it's just clarifying who to who to talk to. So, um, all right. So then I noticed that um, on uh, in that section about the market day procedures, um, will number four, which is the move-in process, stay the same, um, or is that being taken out? I just wanted to double check on that. Move-in process. Let me see if I, which part are you referring to? What was that again? So this is on the market day procedures. And so we do, we're just talking about number three stall assignments. So we'll, you'll replace everything that, that you put in there with that minor change. And then um, you, you had given us the changes to number five, which is parking, but I just wanted to double check on the number four, which is the move-in procedures. Yeah, because... if it's not on there, it's it's probably staying the same. I only put in the things that were being changed. Okay, I just wanted to, because the uh, copy of the rules that I have, the first sentence says the market manager shall create a move-in sheet market day. And I still wanted to That's... just make sure that all the pieces integrate together. Yeah, that, no, that's that hasn't that's, changed because that's okay. how we track attendance. Great. So just to restate, the only elements you got were the elements that were edited. Yeah, I just I just wanted to make sure they 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 all linked together. Okay. Yep. So Don't number worry. I am <laughs> I'm a sociologist. I have a lot of experience with writing for many audiences. So yes, yeah, I no, only I gave the ones that were specifically being edited. It's it's just me be an anal compulsive about all the pieces fit together for instructions and things they like do. that. So, um, all right. So the next part is number five on the parking. Yep. 
And so on that part, it looked like you removed the section on the daily vendors and the daily, uh, this is number C or letter C, uh, the daily vendors and the daily mobile food vendors that they needed to remain outside the market parking lot until um, they had been assigned a stall. So that was taken out, right? Of course, yes. Okay. So just wanted to make sure that that was all clear and, and that that Seems like that'll work for everybody. Yep, because the only reason that would have made sense is if we were doing the stall assignment that day. Otherwise, it becomes a completely irrelevant piece. Okay. So any other comments, questions, concerns? No, it looks good to me. I mean, it's, 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 we've been through a lot of iterations. It seems to be a lot. It, it's much clearer too. I and mean, I appreciate your working through this too, because it's, it is the thing is being explicit about it and helping to gain that clarity. You know, it's, it's always a tricky thing of figuring out which ones to draw a clear line on which one's not and what, what is clear. Um, but I think it's the, the, it, it's working better. So that's good. So thank you. Yeah, it seems like folks are pretty used to it at this point. There's there's hiccups from time to time, but that's with anything. You know, there's people that might have forgotten to call in or a message wasn't relayed or something like that. But we always are able to work it out. Or that's the other thing too. If there's cancellations day of, people say, "Oh, so and so didn't didn't show up, or they canceled. Can I have that spot?" It's like, okay, great. You know, it's been really seamless. Um, in terms of just, you know, because that's the other thing to remember, of course, is that we've been using this for over two years. Um, so we've worked out a lot of the, the initial kinks that seems to be flowing pretty well at this point. Okay, so it sounds like we have finalized the finalizing sign-in uh, changes. <laughs> Yay, well, I think we probably do need to wait to vote on it um, yeah. next time. But That's fine. I think we got as close as possible. Great. Great. And then we have two other things and we only have nine more minutes. So we have the producer only rules clarification and the transfer of seniority. So I think given our short time period, can we just make a strategy for next meeting um, to talk about how we can jump into these, these issues? Um, yeah, I and, think, yeah, go I was ahead. gonna say, um, I was gonna say, I think maybe we should table the transfer seniority until next time, just because it is complex. And in terms of producer only, um, the rumor mill apparently is added again. And I just wanted to make sure people don't worry, we're not changing the producer only rule for artisans or farmers, we're just clarifying some of the gray areas uh, that have come about. And we might want to table it till next time too, because I don't think we have enough time um, to address that. Yeah, I, I've I've heard people the rumor mill going to, and that so I think there is some misunderstanding as to exactly, or some clarification would be useful for that as to what what is being proposed and how that actually impacts things. So I think that's that's worth fleshing out. And Stephanie, would you mind going through those those documents where Stephanie Willett had had put in red some of the the suggested um, when we were revisiting this right before COVID hit? Um, and if you could update that for us and then send it out, just saying 
these are the issues that I really think are critical for us to look at. Like you, you were talking about uh, plants and value added. If if you mm -hmm. could give us some background on on those, um, or at least highlight those in the the document uh, that that's already been drafted. Um, and the other thing is, um, uh, I didn't know if it's useful for the inspector to come to the this meeting to share with us some of uh, their concerns, or if that's something that you can just relay to us too, um, because the inspector's insight might be also important. What are the hiccups that that they've faced doing inspections? Yeah, I mean, I could just relate that to you. I don't think that that's necessarily the helpful. Plus, it might disclose information yeah. about yeah. Uh, vendors that we don't necessarily want to do. Um, but I can definitely, I can also invite Alex um, to participate if he would like to. Otherwise, I can um, relay that info for sure. Great, and then revisiting that that document and just prioritizing things for us, that would be great. Yep. All right, good. So are we okay moving on to the new business? Are there other things that we wanna talk about in our regular business? I don't have anything. Okay. So is there any new business? This would be non-agenda items. None here. Okay. All right, great. Then um, this is our time to move on to our second public comment. So this can be on anything, not limited okay. to agenda items. I see a hand. All right, you are now unmuted. Go ahead. Is this Anne? Okay, can you hear me? Okay, yes. Okay, cool. Okay, hang on. Let me mute my television so it's not because it's off by a couple seconds. Okay, I'm just going to be really brief because I want to address a few of the things that got talked about. Um, I just wanted to say first of all thank you all for being so open to this it means so much to me to feel accepted and welcome at the place where I've chosen to spend my life and I appreciate what each of you said um, and just to re reiterate why I'm asking for it which it seems like everybody understands but um, because I take two I cannot be guaranteed my one annual stall that I did get unless I manage to get the spot right next to it, which currently someone else owns. It does move me way up in the picking list, which means everything to me. So it has totally changed my life, but just need this one other step. Uh, and doing it this year would be amazing since we do have those open stalls. About crafts taking three stalls, um, just I have literally never, ever heard a crafter say they wish they could have three stalls ever. If keeping it at two stalls is what could allow this to happen and allow everybody to be okay with it, I think that we would all be happy with that. I'd rather not be a separate class, but doing it that way would still be totally wonderful for those few of us to have this happen. 
Um, the crafts, I think every single one of us is a single proprietor with no employees. Um, we all kind of struggle to afford the one or two stalls we do have. And we don't necessarily have enough time since we don't have employees to produce goods for three stalls. Um, we could also be afraid that the market's going to become a giant bakery or it's going to become a giant hard cider store, but we don't make them a separate class with different rules. I do think it's like pretty unlikely, but I cannot promise that over, you know, 20 or 30 years from now that there wouldn't be craft vendors with three stalls. Also, another thing to keep in mind is almost every craft vendor is age 65 or over. I'm about to turn 50, and I think there may be one craft vendor who's younger than me. So one thing that's going to happen is the craft vendors are eventually going to, you know, uh, age out and retire. Um, and I think the math we did about increasing, like adding those four, there's four of us who would love a second stall. That would take it from 8.5% of the stalls being assigned to annual crafters up to 11.2%, 8.5 to 11.2. Um, and these are also stalls that have been sitting empty for several years. So they have not been owned by uh, growers either for several years. So it's not a huge change in the number, 8.5 to 11.2. I would love to have two perfect stalls next to each other during this year's move up, but I would be very grateful to just be granted that second one and let me maneuver to get it next to my other one over the next few years. I know there's a spot next to Debbie and Carol that they could hopefully get their perfect spots this year, but I'd be grateful just to have one somewhere. Um, and thank you so much, you guys. I really appreciate everything very much. Oh, um, also, I was going to say for Wednesday market, there's fewer customers than on Saturday, and there always will be. And if we have more vendors on Wednesday market without more customers, it might just mean we're forcing vendors to come and really not make any money. So if we do want to make vendors come on Wednesday, we have to find a way to get customers to come and buy stuff from them. And that does go hand in hand. But anyway, just wanted to mention that. Thank you so much, guys. Okay, bye. Thanks, Anne. Thanks, Anne. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. I realized I have one more thing, which is, Stephanie, have you heard anything else about applications for the opening on PMAC? I have heard nothing else. Um, I reached out to Sarah Alonis, who is the... Um, person at the clerk's office in charge of commissions and she was on vacation so okay. i am waiting to hear back from her i believe she just got back um within the last couple of days okay great but i haven't heard nothing else as of yet so i just want to encourage all of us to twist everybody's arm <laughs> we can think of and as stephanie pointed out the the rules don't say it has to be a business uh within the neighborhood um that that I don't know anybody who lives in that neighborhood, but it it might be worthwhile. And I actually did um, send the information to the um, Carytown District Neighborhood Facebook group. So if anybody else knows any strings of people in the, the Carytown District neighborhood, um, businesses or folks that are there, please is please encourage. Just, 
just to clarify too, so it's someone it, for that particular seat is for someone who lives within Carytown or someone who owns a business or someone who works at a business in Cary. Is it okay if they work at a business there? If all it says is Carytown representative, it's very, very vague. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so. I know uh, I'm pretty sure that Bob Sparrow's son was interested. Okay. Um, I'll talk to him again Saturday because he was asking me about the information on it. Great. Uh, I can talk to him Saturday when I'm down there if he's there. And uh, I'm, he might need the information. I think I, I told him to check it out on the website. So. Yeah, and Jeff, in one of the emails, I had sent the, the link that'll take you right to the page that describes PMAC. And then there's up in the upper right-hand corner, it says apply. And just remind him to write a little sentence to, to say why he's part of the neighborhood okay. um, to, to make sure that's clear. Yep. Great. Okay. It is 7.02. Are we ready to adjourn? I do actually see one more person who wants to give a comment. Hello there. If you unmute yourself, you may speak for the public comment. Are you there? you can unmute yourself. Can you okay. hear me? Yeah, now I can. Can you hear me? <laughs> this is my first time calling in and I have had difficulty. You can unmute yourself. Okay. Can you hear me? Yes. Oh, they just muted themselves again. Oh, we could hear you and then you muted yourself. I think they had feedback issues. It sounds yeah. like there, there's a delay on the recording. Yeah. So, so. We'll give them a little bit of time. Yep. There you are. I am unmuted. Recording. Go ahead. Can you hear me? Yeah. There you are. I am unmuted. Recording. Okay. If you turn off your audio, that will help so that you don't have the feedback there. Okay. If you turn off your audio, that will help. Can you turn off your volume? Okay. We can't. We can't hear you. We can just hear feedback. Can you turn off your volume. I have turned off my volume. Okay. We're still getting a lot of lot of feedback. Oh, oh! looks like they're gone. So I guess I'll try to figure out who that was and hopefully they can write up their commentary or email it to me and I can share it that way. Because technical difficulties clearly occurring. Yep. All right. Well, that's what you were saying, Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So if there's nothing else, I, I think we're ready to adjourn. And it is uh, 7.04. Perfect. Thank you, everyone. Thanks, everybody. Thank you.